You are now listening to the First Baptist Church of America's podcast. If you have any questions about our church, please check us out online at fbcamericas.org. This week, we continue our journey through John's gospel with the message, The Gift of Christian Joy, from John 16, 19 through 24, and verse 33. Let's listen in. Did you see the title of that song? He will hold me fast. If that's true, then why do you worry? If that is true, why do you lack joy? We're going to be talking about joy today. Do you know people who just seem to bubble over with joy? I mean, they're always positive, always smiling, always up. And you would think if you prick their finger, joy would come out. Do you know people like that? Well, I think we would all agree that happiness and joy are not the same thing. But I think there is even a a big distinction between worldly joy and Christian joy. I think there's a distinction because there are people who aren't Christians who have joy. But I think there's a a distinction. The Bible has much to say about joy because joy is actually an attribute of God. When you think about God, when you have an image of God in your mind, do you think about a stuffy judge or even a grumpy old man, a grumpy old granddaddy up in heaven? Is that uh, what you're image of God is. Listen to 1 Chronicles 16, 27. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Yeah, we know that he has splendor and majesty and strength, but do we think of joy being God? Nehemiah 8:10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your your strength. So joy comes from the heart of God. But we even tend to think of Jesus as a sad sack. Don't think about all the pictures that tried to give you a, a depiction of what Jesus looked like. Aren't most of those uh, they present Jesus as very stoic, even sad? There was a series of films that came out about 15 years ago. And in those films, we've used them here some before, um, Bruce Marciano played Jesus. He was the character who played Jesus. And if you remember those films, Jesus was presented, and and the way Bruce Marciano uh, presented Jesus was that he was one who was overflowing with joy. When, When he would heal someone, he would laugh with them. When, when he put, told the disciples to pull up their catch of fish, he was laughing as they couldn't pull in the fish because of his joy in, and his delight in blessing his people. Paul lists joy as one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So joy is evidence of abiding in Christ. Now Jesus has joy because God has joy. Therefore, if we have Jesus, what will we have? Joy. Jesus has joy because God has joy. And if we have Jesus, we will have joy. Do you? 
we're going to talk about the joy we have as Christians. Now, I'm, I'm not known for having a bubbly personality. That's just my demeanor. And if you think back to the Winnie the Pooh characters, and you think about all the different characters in there, uh, I would not be categorized as Tigger. You remember Tigger? But neither would I be characterized as Eeyore, I hope. Maybe somewhere kind of in the middle, like your average Pooh. So where do you fit? If you were to characterize yourself, where would you fit? By the way, joy is often more internal than external. Do you realize that? It's more internal than external, but it will work its way out, and I think people can sense it. Even if you're not bouncing around like Tigger, people can sense that you have joy. Now, it's easy to spot the people that don't have joy because of their negativity and their constant complaining. But people with joy, I think it can be sensed by other people around them. I received a great compliment early, earlier this year. I was in Macon making a visit at the hospital, and I was walking down the hall. And as I do a lot of times, I whistle while I walk. And um, so somebody stopped me, and the man said, are you a pastor? And I immediately thought about my clothes. I, I, I knew I should have bought some new clothes. I looked like a pastor. But he said, no, you just seem like you have a joyful heart. Now, that's not always the case. I don't always seem like I have a joyful heart. We got the pictures back from Jason and Maggie's wedding. And we looked at those pictures, and it was right before the ceremony. Uh, Maggie's parents were standing on this side, the bride and groom here, and Judy and I were standing on this side. And we saw our expressions. And it was like, seriously? They're all beaming in joy. And we're like, just take the picture. Because they were running late, the photographer was running late, people were waiting to be seated, and our worry was evidence in our expression. Isn't that true for life? What you worry about is seen in the way you live your life. If we have Jesus Christ, if we have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, shouldn't we be the most joyful people in the world? Think about that. Think it all the way through. If we have Jesus, shouldn't we be joyful people? Think back to John 15. How Jesus was teaching His disciples about remaining in Him like a, a branch and a grapevine. And He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So as Christians, we have the joy of Jesus in us. The question is, do others sense His joy in your life? So this morning I want to preach on the gift of Christian joy. The certainty of it, the security of it, and the source of it. The certainty, the security, and the source of Christian joy. First of all, the certainty of Christian joy. 
Jesus was talking about leaving his disciples in just a little while. And in this section, in a little while, those three words come up over and over and over. In a little while. In a little while. And they didn't understand what he was talking about, so they were talking amongst themselves. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, answered their question. Look at verse 20. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Now, every time Jesus spoke, he spoke with authority. And he said, their grief will turn to joy. Not might turn to joy or could turn to joy. Your grief will turn to joy. It is inevitable. It's certain. The world would rejoice at his crucifixion because they would have thought that they had won the victory by killing him and his way. But the disciples at the same time would grieve thinking Everything they hoped for was lost when Jesus was crucified. So the world's rejoicing at his crucifixion. The disciples are grieving. But after a little while, the disciples did see Jesus again after his resurrection. And grief became joy. And all hinges on the resurrection. So as you see his resurrection, as you accept and understand His resurrection, the reality of joy will become more and more evident in your life. It's inevitable because of your ongoing and continuing connection with Jesus, being in the vine. It's inevitable. Notice the illustration that Jesus gives in verse 21. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because, her, because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Now, his point here is that the woman's joy over the baby is so great that it overshadows the pain. It's so great that it overshadows the pain. So the mother's attention is so focused on the positive reality that she forgets the negative reality reality. Now think about what a better world we would have if people live just by that concept. Just by that concept. Focus on the positive in order to think less about the negative. Let's try it. You want to? Let's start today. Focus on the positive and think less about the negative. Interesting that the same baby that caused pain was the same baby that calls joy. The baby that calls pain is the baby that calls joy. So Jesus is teaching us that joy is possible even when pain is present. Joy is possible even when pain is present. That's why the New Testament writers wrote so much about being joyful in the troubles of this life or rejoicing in the trials. Worldly joy is dependent on circumstances. Now think about it. Worldly joy is dependent on circumstances. Take away the good circumstances and you lose joy. But add more good circumstances and you add happiness. But Christian joy is independent of circumstances. 
because Christian joy is based on a reality beyond this world. So joy is independent of our circumstances. We're focusing on something beyond the reality of this world. That's why the writer of Hebrews said, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. So when Jesus was going to the cross, he was thinking ahead to the joy of heaven. And that's what you and I should do as we live our lives in this world. So you can be certain on the authority of God's word. You can be certain about your joy in Christ. Why? Because you can be certain about him. Second thing, the security of your joy. I've already said that worldly joy comes and goes depending on our circumstances. But notice verse 22. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. Again, uh, it had an immediate application to the disciples and to us that we can have joy even in this world, but looking ahead, when Jesus comes back, that will be a joy beyond uh, our imagination. So Christian joy is certain because Jesus had joy. But that joy is secure because of who Jesus is. You see? Jesus said, no one will take away your joy. Can anyone take anything away from Jesus? No. No. Worldly joy is based on circumstances, so anything can take away that joy. Anything. It, just like that, your joy can be gone. But Christian joy is based on Jesus, so nothing can take it away. That's what Jesus said. That's the authority of His Word. So as a believer, your joy is secure. It's already in you. There's no need to ask God for joy. You already have it. We might pray, God, give me joy. You don't need to do that because joy is already in you as a believer in Jesus Christ. However, it is like the Holy Spirit, though. We activate His power, the power of the Holy Spirit, by allowing Him to do His work in us. So if you don't sense joy in your life, or if others don't sense it in you, then maybe you're allowing your joy to be stifled. And you can certainly do that. What is it that stifles your joy? Well, worry is one thing. You, you worry and your joy is stifled. Maybe a bad conscience. You know that what you're doing is wrong and, and that just saps your, your joy. It's still there, but it's being stifled. What about wrong expectations? expectations that are either unrealistic or selfish. You're expecting people to live a certain way, but they're not doing it, and it stifles your joy. And even the neglect of spending time with God in prayer and Bible study, that stifles joy as well. So keep your mind and your heart focused on what you have in Jesus. What you have in Jesus, and then joy will begin to permeate your life. Well, then the last thing is the source of Christian joy. Look at verse 24. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. You see, up until this time, 
Jesus had been with the disciples in the flesh. And so they didn't need to ask God for anything in Jesus' name because they could ask Jesus directly. They were with him face to face. But now that Jesus was leaving them, he told them that they would ask God in his name. He said, ask and you will receive. And then what would happen? And then your joy will be complete. See, Christian joy is possible because it comes from a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It comes from that relationship. We, we learn to pray according to God's will because of that relationship. That means our prayers will become less self-centered and they will be more centered on what God's will is. And when we are praying like that, we're praying out of that relationship and that is how joy is possible because we are connected with Christ. Speaking about this idea, Tim Keller gave an illustration. Or imagine your heart to be like a musical instrument. And joy would be one of the strings in that musical instrument. But the string is so huge, it's like one of the huge cables that holds up a suspension bridge. And so it would be impossible to pluck that string and get music from it, but God the string is so big that only He can pluck it. And He does it through the gospel. Through the gospel. He plucks that string of joy in us through His gospel. Gospel, as you know, literally means good news or more precisely, news of joy. And verse 33 sums up the gospel. And I love this verse. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, peace is a fruit of the Spirit just like joy is. But I can't imagine anyone having peace and not having joy. Or anyone having joy and not having peace. They seem to go hand in hand because they come from God. There's nothing that threatens our peace and our joy like sickness and death in this world. Nothing like it. But Jesus overcame the biggest threat of this world. He did that. He overcame it when He rose from the dead. So the key to this sermon, the key to the Bible, the key to the gospel is in the two little words there in verse 33, in me. It's all about abiding in Jesus, remaining in the true vine while you endure the very real trouble of this world. Trouble is real. But while you're dealing with that trouble, you are enduring and abiding in, in Jesus. See, the gospel doesn't remove our pain. It just transforms it to something that is useful. And that makes the Christian faith unique. The thing about Christian joy is that it coexists with trouble. See, a Christian doesn't deny the pain in their lives. You don't have to ignore the pain or deny the pain because the pain is real. But Christians refuse to be dominated by that pain. Why? Because a child with a capital C was born that takes the attention away from the trouble of this world. That's why Christians can be far more realistic about life in this world and the trouble that comes with it and still have joy. 
Now, if the gospel is true, if God is God, if Jesus is God's son, and if he came to this world to live in the flesh, to die a death that you and I deserve, so that you can have eternal life with God, if that is true, then you have a reality that overshadows anything this world can throw at you. Therefore, let your mind and your heart remain focused on Jesus, who has overcome everything of this world. So what about you? Do you have joy in your heart? Are you living in a way that your joy is being stifled? Well, the answer to both of those questions is all about what you do with Jesus. What you do with Jesus Christ. So would you go out in joy? Because it's in you if Jesus is there. Let's pray. Father, uh, this is your word and we accept it. We stand on it. You have defeated every enemy that we could ever imagine. And you've done that through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that our Christian joy would be evident to all people. Lord, not that we have to bounce around, but that we just permeate the joy that comes from a relationship with you. And I pray that for this church. I pray that for Christians everywhere. Because that, in and of itself, would attract people to Jesus. So Lord, would you help us to respond as you lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to know more about how you can have Christian joy, we would love to help you with that. You can find our contact information in the show notes down below, or you can find them on our website at fpcamericas.org. And tune in next week as we continue our journey through John's Gospel.